Hello everybody, it is Josh back here with the second ever episode of On Top Sports Podcast. Today we're going to be focusing on the MLB 2020 offseason and how that went down and how what happened shook up the league and how I think the moves affected the league from going from now on and how I think each team will perform and I will grade each move and how I think it affected the team and the player. So guys, the first move we are going to be focusing on is the Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers on three years, $102 million with an opt-out option after season 2021 and the season of 2022. He originally came from the Reds, if you did not know that. And so I think this was a humongous move, and I think this was a good move for both Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers. Not good for any other team in the league. Also very bad for the San Diego Padres, who this offseason tried to make a push to show that they may be the best team in the National League after coming off a hot 2020 season. So I think that, you know, now the Dodgers have one of the best starting pitcher rotations in baseball. And I think that the Dodgers now have shown that since they've already won their division eight years in a row, I think they're shown that there's going to be at least two more division wins, in my opinion. That's what I think. Also, for Trevor Bauer, I think this is good. He has a higher chance of actually winning instead of staying with the Reds, who did have a bright future, but is not going to win in, in Trevor Bauer's prime for Trevor Bauer already being 27 years old. So I think Trevor Bauer went to a good team. You know, it's not great to see when good players, amazing players, because Trevor Bauer coming off a Cy Young season, go to already a great team, especially a team like the Dodgers, who have many guys locked up locked up under long contracts who are young, and the Dodgers coming off a World Series um, season. So it's not good for any other team in the league, especially as a fan, if you're not a fan of that team, to see an, um, a superstar like that go to an already great team. But it is interesting to watch and to see how it plays out for the Dodgers. Because he is on the mo- the highest yearly pay contract ever. So, you know, the, the Dodgers have dumped a lot of money into players this offseason and the past offseason. And now we are going to be focusing on the second biggest deal, or in this case, a trade in this past offseason. I feel it's been a little bit slept on this trade here with Nolan Arenado being dealt to the Cardinals for $51 million from from the Rockies um, for a left-handed pitcher, Austin Gomber, and four minor league prospects. So Austin Gomber is a pretty not well-known left-handed reliever. He is not a bad player by any means, but to get four prospects um, and just uh, like I'm going to say a bum pitcher, you know, and giving up Nolan Arenado and $51 million. I think it's just, I I don't understand what went through the Rockies' head there. Nolan Arenado was going to be their, like, franchise player. He's going to be there for a while. He has shown loyalty. He has shown that, you know, 
he definitely was unhappy a little bit there in Denver, in Colorado. But, you know, because, you know, the team's not great. But I think Nolan Arenado has shown that he's not too upset about being there. He was looking forward to, you know, having younger players there in Colorado and, you know, maybe not winning championships. But he was, you know, he was, he was a solidified all-star for many years straight. And, you know, I think this this was a confusing trade to me when I found out about this trade a couple of days ago, around a week ago. So I was very surprised when I saw this. And, you know, I mean, I understood it a little bit because there was some rumors about Nolan Arenado getting dealt. And I think it was a good trade for the Cardinals. And not just, like, getting plus value. I think the Cardinals are now, like, I think they are the best team in that NL Central division because that's been a tight division many times with Milwaukee, Chicago, and St. Louis, and now Cincinnati actually making a decent push, um, even though they did lose Trevor Bauer, but getting a little bit older, getting a little bit better as time goes on. But I think that's a tight division, and I think it was a big move for St. Louis, and now they got, you know, like a silver slugger at first base and third base now, gold glove at third base. And with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado at third base. So I think it was a very interesting move for the league, very interesting move for the Rockies and for the St. Louis Cardinals. And here we do have a really big one for a Yankee fan like me, signing DJ LeMayu, locking him up for six years, $90 million. And originally, LeMayu wanted um, five years. The Yankees wanted to give him four years. But instead, the Yankees said, we'll give you six years, but for less money a year, which opens up options for the Yankees being able to pay more players because the money is spread out more, um, even though it is more money than they would have given him for four years. But it's the same amount of money they would have given him for five years. So I think it was an interesting move because I think it was well played out by Brian Cashman, the general manager. And I think big win for the Yankees there. They had their solidified best second baseman in the league um, playing um, playing there, staying in the Bronx with the baby boomers, with the baby bombers, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, I think the key to the Yankees, everybody's been saying this, it's 100% true. If they are healthy, if Aaron Judge is healthy, Stanton healthy, um, Torres healthy, LeMayu healthy, they are the, um, they are the best the most talented team, maybe not the best team, but the most talented team in Major League Baseball if they stay healthy. And that's been a problem for them the past two years with Sanchez, Judge, Stanton. And, you know, with that rotation, I feel this is not not the same as with LeMayu, but going branching off with the Yankees with that rotation with Garrett Cole bringing in last year, Severino back when Tommy John. You know, you got Montgomery just getting better with age. We got Herman back from his suspension. So I think this is a big move for the Yankees. Uh, you know, it was a hit to our payroll. But, you know, I think LeMayu is one of those guys who's worth a good amount. I mean, six years is a lot, um, uh, especially considering he is the, at the age of 31, which is typically past the prime for hitters. Um, but I think I think it was a great move, especially um, LeMayu coming off two top three MVP seasons in a row, and I think he's just a reliable bat for the Yankees.
now we're going to be talking about George Springer to the Blue Jays. So he's six years, $150 million. Pretty massive contract there. Yeah, I don't know what I would do with $150 million. I would probably buy a mansion, a car, do a lot of things. But I'm not George Springer. I mean, I wish I was. But George Springer locked up in that big contract there in Toronto. I think it's a great move for Toronto, especially also bringing in Kirby Yates to Toronto, who I'm a big fan of Kirby Yates. Um, He was from San Diego. And I think that a great pitcher and a great outfielder, all-star outfielder and all-star pitcher. And I think Toronto had a decent push um, to, like, solidify a playoff spot in that uh, in the American League. And now they're getting older with um, uh, Vladimir Guerrero. And, you know, you got um, uh, Biggio, younger Biggio. And you got, oh, who's that first baseman? Don't remember his name. Oh, uh, Guerrero, no. Oh, I already said Guerrero. Okay, you got Ryu as the pitcher that they got last year from L.A. And I think, like, they added an outfielder who is an all-star level. And I think, like, as a Yankees fan, it hurts because you have more contention in that already tough AL East division with the Rays coming off World's, um, World Series runner-up year, um, AL pennant winners. Come um, with now with the Blue Jays, who are already pretty good, and you know the Red Sox, you know are hit or miss, hit or miss team, but you know back the some of their injuries are healed going into the season, so it does hurt to see. But I think it's an interesting move, um, and I think it's really good, uh, benefits all around for the Toronto Blue Jays. And this is the last move I am gonna bring up in this episode is that Michael Brantley stays with the Astros two years, $32 million for Brantley. And I think Brantley is a very interesting player right now because a couple two years ago, he came off um, top three MVP voting season, batting um, over 320. It was a remarkable season. Um, but I think that, you know, he is getting a little bit older for baseball terms. And I think that... um. Very interesting because, you know, um, he is an outfielder and the uh, the Astros did lose their best outfielder in George Springer to the Blue Jays, as I mentioned earlier. And I think it's interesting for the Astros because, you know, they did lose Springer, who is was going to be their franchise player, young, very talented in the outfield, great hitter, their four hitter for those World Series teams. and But they still have Bregman there at third base. But um, I think, you know, I think Bregman may turn up to be a guy like Bradley Beal, because um, I know I know it's crazy to say because the Astros came up like after um, came came from being a great team in baseball, but I think Brantley is, you know, I think after these two years, he will leave and go on a smaller contract because he is getting older, and I think Verlander will retire, then Granke will be washed. Um, but I think I think the Astros had their time. Even though I am, this might sound crazy because I am talking about a re-signing by the Astros, but I know it, it is big. I think Brantley is a um, is a reliable stick, a reliable player in the outfield. Can play any position in the in the outfield. 
So yeah, I think I brought this one up just because I thought it was very interesting. I think Michael Brantley is a very interesting player in the MLB right now. And yeah. Hello, and I'm here with my dad, special guest, James Stolman. And he's going to be sharing his reactions to this offseason and how he thinks it shook up the league and the impacts of the deals and trades that went down. Dad, tell, tell the fans a little bit about yourself and your sports world. Uh, sure, I'd be happy to, Josh. It's a privilege to be here and to be on your podcast. So I'm a born and bred New Yorker, so I'm partial to the New York teams. And baseball being my favorite, along with basketball and football in that order, and hockey to a lesser extent. Huge lifetime Yankee fan. My grandparents lived in the Bronx, so that was a tremendous asset and being really literally walking distance to Yankee Stadium. And I grew up with those horrible, horrible teams of the post-Mickey Mantle era in the late 60s and early 70s when I was a kid. So my biggest Yankee memory and my favorite sports memory of all time is when the Yankees finally made it back into the playoffs after years of being not just mediocre, but really terrible. And that, of course, is the culminating moment is the 1976 postseason in their playoffs against the Kansas City Royals in the um, AL, AL pennant um, series. And as you all recall, it was won by a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth by Chris Chambliss. So any walk-off home run to win the pennant of course, would be a highly dramatic uh, event, but to see your team in the in the Yankee Stadium do it to get back into the World Series for the first time in about 15 years, I believe, 14 years, um, and the first time in my memorable lifetime, that was just uh, the highlight of my sports team. Great. Now, that was a big moment in Yankees history. All right, so we're going to dive into this past offseason and see what you think went down. Now, uh, first question is, what, what trade or uh, deal, um, free agency signing, do you think made the most impact on the MLB and future standings? That's a great question. I think you can look at it in different ways. You can look at it, really good teams securing their spots at the top, and then you can look at teams that are trying to contend and uh, make it to the top tier. So what do I mean by that? Well, I think in terms of free agent signings, you have to look at the Yankees retaining DJ LeMahieu um, as really important to their maintaining uh, their position as a top contender. Of course, they have a lot, a lot of uh, power and a lot of offense, but there's a lot of question marks as well with the health of Stanton, the health of Judge. Will Sanchez actually regain his form? And so they almost were forced to lock up their best player the last two years. I mean, you could make an argument they had plenty of offense, but it would have been a big risk for them not to sign it. And not only did they sign him, but they signed him to a deal that they wanted. He, uh, Yankees were originally offering four years for $80 million, and DJ wanted the fifth year at $100 million. So you could say they could just split the difference, but they did split the difference in terms of money. It was $90 million. But the Yankees got six years out of it, which means they'd spread the contract over a longer period of time. Maybe they overpay him the last two years, but they're probably underpaying him the first four years, and it gives him flexibility. So DJ got his money. The Yankees got their flexibility. And 
they got probably the best hitter in the National League, in the American League. <laughs> American League, yeah. yeah. Um, how about a very hot team right now, the Dodgers? They made a big signing with Bauer going lock up, um, locked up for their three years, $102 million, opt out after 2021 or 2022. What does that mean for the Dodgers? Payroll win the division now with San Diego coming hot after a hot season with offseason. What does that mean for the Dodgers? Maybe partially going back to back. You know, the Dodgers are alternating, are, are, are operating in a totally different universe than the entire rest of the major leagues. I mean, they used to call the Yankees the uh, evil empire. Well, now the Dodgers payroll is $234 million, which is $50 million more than the second place team behind them, which is the Yankees. So the Yankees not only in second place behind the Dodgers, they're $50 million below uh, the Dodgers. So the Dodgers are operating in some sort of economic world, which is un unheard of. And not only are they spending $234 million a year, they're doing it after a year where there are no fans in the seats and an abbreviated season. And next year, who knows what's going to happen. The Dodgers are used to drawing 4 million fans a year, making a huge amount of money on their attendance. So they're, they're, they're operating in an economic possibility that's, that's unknown to anyone else in, in, in all the sports. So they win the World Series. So what do they do? They go out and they spend $40 million a year, one year, for Trevor Bauer. Yes, he arguably is the best, most dominating pitcher from last year. Came off a Cy Young season Came off a Cy Young, and he was dominant. And he's been dominant, and he's proven he's dominant. Um, but $40 million is more money they will spend on Trevor Bauer than the entire payroll of either – the Indians, the Pirates, or the Orioles. So do you think baseball has a problem? I think that I think baseball has a huge problem, and the Dodgers are driving a wedge right into it. So you know, the Dodgers are saying we're gonna be a dynasty. We're not gonna content to win one World Series. This is not this is our time. We had him won since 1988. We won last year. This is our time. We want a dynasty, and they're going to willing to pay huge money to create a dynasty. Yeah, like as you said, they wanted a dynasty, and they won that division seven years straight. And the Padres coming off a, a hot season, having some more signings, it makes sense for them to go out and bring this big, big picture in, a big pitcher in to retain, and maybe go like eight or ten years straight winning that division. The Dodgers are not taking anything for granted. They hear the Padres. They see the Padres' commitment, and they're all in. You know, they, they're going to lose. They may lose Turner at second base. Third base. Third base. Um, uh, they are going to go in with their pitching. All right. Um, let's go head on to the AL East now. George Springer going to the Blue Jays. Six years, $150 million. And you also have teams like the Red Sox. Getting back some more health from like a very unhealthy last year for the Red Sox. You got the Blue Jays having a surprise year last year. It's getting older with Guerrero and all the and Bobuchet. So, what do you think about that competition? Do you think it's still a clear lock well, for the Yankees? Toronto, it's not a clear lock. You know the good the the Blue Jays are a really interesting team. They're young and they're exciting. And to be a Blue Jay fan it must be very very exciting. They're only getting better after many many lean years. And they and they made the right move. 
They got a guy like George Springer who, who's been on a winnings team. He knows how to win. He is a great player. He's about in his prime of his career, maybe a year past, but he's pretty much in the prime of his career. And he's a perfect mix for that team and bringing up uh, with the young players and their experience and the long ball and his leadership and batting leadoff or third or whatever they need him to do. Um, it was a great move for them. I think he's worth the money. He's going to spend the rest of his career there. And the Blue Jays, they're a contender. You know, the problem with the Blue Jays, of course, is they're in the same division as the Yankees and Tampa Bay. And although the Red Sox are heading in the other direction, you know they can turn it around any year when they decide to get their payroll in order. Um, so the Blue Jays, you know, you can you feel bad for them because they're always going to be in a rough division. I would never can't count Tampa Bay. We can talk about Tampa. I never count them out. They have the, you know the best management in baseball, but the Blue Jays are trying, and you got to hand it to them. They got a big big name pitcher, and they got a big name hitter. Yeah, Rays uh, AL yes. pennant winner last year, making yep. it all the way to the World Series. Did lose their ace. Blake Snell to the Padres. Um, but um, let's talk about the New York Mets. The New York Mets were uh, division-winning contending last year, probably more more likely a wild-card team last year. Got this new big owner, Steve Cohen, saying he's all in to you know, be a main contender, bringing in Lindor on a blockbuster deal. What does this mean for the Mets? Are they a possible contender to win it all this year? Um. Uh... I don't think they're going to win it all this year unless they make another big move, which I don't see happening. They are serious. The Mets are, you know, the Mets are an interesting, in an interesting position. They obviously are going to spend money to win, and that's the first time the Mets fans can say that in a long time. So the Mets are going to spend money, but they're going to do it wisely. You know, they got a guy – who knows how to assess risk on investment and return on investment. He's not going to blow money. And Lindor, they got him for a steal. They got him just for from prospects, not even their top prospects. They got him for like their eighth and ninth prospects. And they got a guy who's really young, who's probably the best shortstop in the American League. And, they lock, and, and they're going to lock him up. They, they, have, they will lock him up. They will break the bank for this guy, and he'll deserve it. So that's great. And they got a Carrasco to throw in there, and they got a guy to fill out your pitching rotation, a fourth guy who's got experience, who's going to give you innings. Um, again, the, the downside for the Mets is the Mets are probably in the toughest division in baseball. Atlanta. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Atlanta Washington. is young and formidable. The Phillies underperformed. They have a great team. Washington can go either way. They underperformed. I think and, and Miami is built. Look at Miami. Miami was the surprise team of all of baseball last year. They're young, they're rebuilding, they have fantastic manager, they have fantastic management, and they're only up and coming. So the Mets needed another move. I, I thought they were gonna get Trevor Bauer, frankly. I I don't know why that's so did happen. the rest of the sports world. I'm not sure why Trevor, why that wasn't pulled. Maybe because they got to Carrasco. Maybe because Trevor didn't want to go there. Maybe because they didn't think it was worth the money. Because he's opt out. He does have opt outs, so it's just a one year gamble. I don't know. But if you put Trevor Barrow with, with, with Degrom, you are the inst, you are the instant favorite to win the, not just the pennant but the whole World Series. You have you have two of the best pitchers in baseball. You can win the World Series with that. The two best pitchers in baseball last year, no doubt about it. 
maybe right. Shane Bieber in that conversation. But you know the, the Jacob Degrom second in Cy Young voting, uh, Trevor Bauer first last year. Jacob Degrom almost won three in a row Cy Youngs. All yeah. right, that is the end of all the questions I have. Anything you want to say about this past off season that you just want to say that I did not bring up? Well, I think you know. You- you know, baseball has learned that there's two types of teams. You have a team that can get into the playoffs and get go through the grind, and then the team that's going to win the World Series. And that brings up the pitching, the, the, the importance of starting pitching. You don't need big starting pitching to get into the playoffs, but once you're in the World Series, you need those shutdown guys. And um, that is what I think the Dodgers have learned, that they have a good enough team with an expanded you know, with an expanded um, uh, uh, playoff thing, you could be a wild card and get in. But if you, you get a wild card and you have two aces, you can go really far. Although Tampa Bay didn't do that, they had a different formula, a totally different formula. So those are the competing uh, formulas. You know, I think a team like St. Louis, who've got Arenado, they're just saying, we're in a weak division. We're going to we need one guy to get us into the playoffs, and then we'll keep our fingers crossed. They got a great guy. Uh, that's enough to win them a couple extra games. And in that, in, in the NL Central, you need to win uh, 92, 93 games and you're in the playoffs. Uh, so that was a great pickup for them. And again, it'll be interesting to see if a $40 million starting pitcher is enough, uh, is a good investment or not. We're still debating that. Yeah, because now the Dodgers have three top 10 pitchers in the league with Bueller. Bauer and Kershaw. Right. But I don't count out Tampa Bay, even though they lost uh, Snell. Uh, they still have an amazing um, bullpen and they know how to use them. A Rosarina. And a Rosarina is MVP uh, in the playoffs last year. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. I will see you at the hot take section of today's episode. Hey, everybody. I'm going to finish off this episode with the hot takes. Um, section or part as usual. Like I said in the first episode, I am going to be doing this at the end of every episode. Today's episode was very interesting for me. I hope you guys find it interesting. Um, it went a little bit long, but you know they're not going to be this long in the future. Maybe they will be, maybe they won't. I think they'll be just like maybe a couple minutes shorter. But the hot take I'm going to be talking about is not necessarily a hot take, more of a hot topic. And there's like, think of like a 50-50 conversation where people go on this. It's the Joel Embiid-Jokic comparison and to see who is the best center in the league because those two are obviously the top two centers in the NBA right now. So I have the stats pulled up here, and I'll share them with you. Joel Embiid is having 32 minutes a game, 29.1 points a game, uh, 54% per- from the field, 11 rebounds and 3 assists. And for Jokic, 36 minutes, 27 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. So Jokic is on a slightly more minutes, slightly uh, slightly less points, um, around the same amount of rebounds, and a good amount more assists. And so the, the side I'm on for this argument, I th- I'm actually on the Jokic side. So the things Jokic does to, like, for a center to get nine assists a game is kind of, like, crazy. Like, so what is he doing that's making him being seven foot two and getting nine assists a game? 
So what is he doing to do that? You know, you have to think, right? It's the stuff he does off ball. The ball's coming to him, and then he and then he finds passes. So he's not just in the paint. Um, he's not just in the paint getting points up. He's doing stuff off the ball, um, and setting hard picks. And you know the rebounds he gets, like you know the way he moves up the court, calls for passes, and it, the vision he has on the court. I think there's something that he does that makes it for him able to get nine assists a game as a center that just makes him so great as of an NBA player. And I know like Embiid's defense may be slightly better, but they're both they're both questionable all NBA defensive players. They're definitely all NBA players, but all defensive players. So that's why I think Jokic is better. Even though Embiid's on a better record right now, I just feel like Jokic is the more well-rounded center and like she's like a new bridge center and the way he the way he plays, the passes he makes, the vision he has. And I feel like he also is more of a leader um in the huddles from what I hear. Not like primary sources, but from like ESPN analysts. So yeah. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'm Josh Dolman. That's that was your second ever episode of On Top Sports Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Peace out.